Hi, this is Brian Landau, and you're listening to The Drip, a podcast about how to caffeinate your campaigns. Today, I'm joined by Juleka Lentigua and Manuela Bedoya. Juleka is founder, and Manuela is the marketing lead at LWC Studios, an award-winning and Peabody-nominated digital media studio that produces original, narrative-driven works with a social justice vein. In this episode, we talk about the social audio landscape and do a deep dive on Twitter spaces. I'm super bullish on Twitter spaces, and I'm grateful to studios like LWC for pioneering the experience. I've always felt that podcasts should be more like a book club. Listen asynchronously, and then convene to discuss what you listen to. I think there's a huge opportunity for podcasters to use Twitter spaces as an engagement point between episodes. For example, your podcast drops on Tuesdays, but every Friday you host a Twitter space to discuss what the last episode was about and to seed the next episode. I think podcasts will increasingly use Twitter spaces to launch their seasons and might even repurpose that content and use it as the trailer. What's better than you telling listeners about the who, what, where, and why of your upcoming podcast season? Potential listeners telling you the who, what, where, why of your podcast. Use that content. But this podcast is about brand marketing, communications, and people engagement tactics. And the next frontier for Twitter spaces is to make that experience more brand safe. A question that I often get from brands around distribution strategies for their podcasts is, quote, how can we get journalists to listen to the content? Well, where are the journalists covering your industry? They're on Twitter. Boom. Twitter Spaces offers the potential for a frictionless way to get earned media attention. The problem, as you'll hear Juleka talk about, is that she's both host and moderator. Twitter is an ad-supported business, and businesses will spend money on ads to promote their spaces when executives and communication teams feel confident that their space can't get hijacked by a bad actor. The risk for a business is that the executive gets baited into a gotcha question by an anonymous person on the internet. I expect Twitter to build out more features that safeguard around that scenario. Twitter spaces and an inevitable suite of LinkedIn audio products will be a game changer for brands as they continue to activate audio-first strategies in their Marcom mix. It puts their audio closer to key stakeholders, whether that's a journalist, customers, partners, or job candidates. Do you have questions about how brands can best leverage audio and podcasting content? Email me at brian at venly.co. That's brian, B-R-I-A-N, at venly, V-E-N-N-L-Y, dot C-O. And now, the fascinating Juleka and Manuela of LWC Studios. Hi, Juleka. Hi, Manuela. Hi, Brian. Juleka Lantigua is founder of LWC Studios, an award-winning and Peabody-nominated digital media studio that produces original narrative-driven works with a social justice vein. Manuela Badoya is LWC Studios' marketing lead. She is passionate about helping creators find their people and connecting consumers and audiences to ideas that resonate with who they are. Thank you both for being with me today. I'm really excited about this conversation. Thanks for having us. So for those that aren't familiar, what is LWC Studios? So LWC Studios is the new name for what used to be called Lantigua Williams & Co., which is the podcast studio that I founded four and a half years ago. Uh, I came from publishing and from audio and from print and decided that I really wanted to explore this new thing, podcasting, which felt to me like a really radical and interesting way to do what I love, which is storytelling. And so little by little, I started to just 
recruit the best team in the business. I call them the Avengers because they're really like a troop of superheroes. And we've done really beautiful work that we're so proud of, including 70 Million, which is a narrative investigative podcast about criminal justice reform and Driving the Green Book, which we did for our client, Macmillan, which won the inaugural AMBI for Best History Podcast. We do Latina to Latina. I mean, we are trying to serve the rising majority audience in the United States, which is educated people of color. And we have really had a lot of fun and we've made some amazing friendships along the way. So in the summer of 2021, one of the hottest startups and apps in the world was Clubhouse, the social audio company. Spotify acquired a company and launched what is now called Green Room, which is their social audio product. Twitter launched Twitter Spaces. Can you provide a lay of the land? Like, how do you evaluate these different products? Manuela, are there maybe pros and cons to consider as an individual creator, maybe a brand says, let's say, let's test this platform. I think we've seen a fast rise of social audio uh, recently, proving that consumers really are interested and that creators want to be on these platforms. I think that as audio content platforms innovate and get more popular over time, more big media players will look into creating their own platforms um, with more diverse audiences, more ways for people to interact with each other. I certainly believe uh, that this all started during the pandemic because we were all looking to have those shared experiences to communicate with people who are interested in the same things that we are. Clubhouse was a pioneer really in the social audio space. And we really were able to build a great community of podcasters, of people in the audio industry on that platform. So we're, we're very grateful for, for, you know, that being the start of podcasting seriously weekly meetup. I think the reason why Clubhouse has kind of lost its popularity a little bit is because these other big time players did come into the space and Clubhouse did come a little bit under fire for not regulating hate speech and, you know, kind of keeping it invite only. And I think the reason why Twitter Spaces is kind of gaining more of that popularity now versus Clubhouse is because people want to stay within like their social circles, their social networks and geographies. They don't want to have to download a separate app and have to switch applications and invite the people that they want to speak to to that platform. So I think that Twitter Spaces makes it easy to share it. It it makes it easy for people who are non-Twitter users to actually go in the space and listen in. That's something that Clubhouse doesn't offer. Spotify Greenroom, I'm not too familiar with, but I have had some discussions uh, with other creators about it. And I know that Spotify is trying to focus on having big names on there to lead these chats. So I think what Twitter Spaces does is it allows for anybody to create a room to create, you know, a meetup for, you know, to talk about any, any type of topic that they want to, it doesn't necessarily have to be a big name in their industry or someone who's doing something big. So let's focus on Twitter spaces and your initiatives on the platform, because I agree with you. I think it's by far the most interesting of the social audio products that are out there for the reasons that you just mentioned, right? Lack of friction, existing social graph, all of that stuff. So Manuel, can you share a little bit about how you're using it and what utility it's building maybe for your business? 
So we are using Twitter Spaces now uh, to basically create and foster a community around podcasting seriously, which is LWC Studios learning platform. Uh, so what we really try to, to do on there is to get our name in front of the correct people to, you know, invite podcasters and audio creators to join us in learning about the podcast industry, to give out resources, to provide as much you know, resources, information as we can to inspiring podcasters, to independent audio creators. So really Twitter Spaces is just a way for us to foster that community and to kind of give back to the industry as well. Really tactically, how do you promote a space? Are you leveraging other channels like email, LinkedIn, Facebook to promote a Twitter space? Manuela, are, are there best practices that you've developed around it? If someone wants to get started for the first time, what's your best piece of advice to them? My best piece of advice is to look for publications and newsletters and any type of media publications in the industry that are prominent. And you can reach out to them and, you know, advertise the space or see if they have a section of upcoming events that you can be added to. Some popular ones that we use are Pod News as well as Pod Mob Daily, which is Podcast Movement's weekly newsletters. We promote our Twitter spaces on their newsletter weekly. I also recommend seeking out social media uh, platforms. Obviously, we promoted on Twitter itself at least two to three times before the day of the event, the day of the Twitter spaces. We also add it to our newsletter weekly. We have a weekly newsletter that goes out every Friday for the podcast industry, and we add who we're going to have, the guest, what we're going to be speaking about. And on the next edition, we also add a recap of that Twitter space and what went on on there. So it definitely sparks interest. And, you know, people see, people read it and say, hey, they're talking about something interesting there. I would definitely, you know, want to join next time because I want to be part of that space. So we use social media. We use newsletters. We also post it on our own website. As soon as, you know, we, we have that confirmation from guests uh, that they're coming on, we, we add their handles, we add the topics that we're talking about, anything relevant to the Twitter spaces itself so that, you know, people do know about it and people, people read what it is about and are, are in, get interested and excited in joining us. Just to zero in on one point, are you buying ads on Twitter to promote or is it all organic on Twitter? We are not buying ads on Twitter. This is all organically. And we, you know, the twi the podcasting industry is very community driven. So we have a lot of friends who always join us, who promote the space, um, who help us spread the word. So we're very, very grateful for that. Yeah, that's awesome. And it's, a, it's great to find that community and then, right, to continue to develop that. Uh, Juleka, what's the experience like for a moderator? Do you have any advice for a creator or brand that would like to explore the product? do it. Um, actually, <laughs> I have so much fun because Manuela does all the hard work. So I just show up and talk to my friends about the stuff that they do. It's I love my job. <laughs> no, no, but in all seriousness. So as a moderator, I try to book guests weeks in advance. I went through a booking spree. I think it was in the end of November where I booked like 15 people. 
And then I was like, okay, I'm done for two months or however long. And so I need to do that again because we've, we're almost out of all those bookings. And so I try to do that so that then, I, you know, Manuela has a really clear idea of what's going to be happening week to week. So then she can promote it in all of the ways that she just explained. So I think that that's really important. We also do it at the exact same time every single week. And we always encourage people, hey, just put it in your calendar. Even if you can't come on a particular day, it's there. So if you are free to join us, then go ahead and join us. And so I think that that consistency helped when we started it, the, when, you know, when we started the podcasting seriously club on clubhouse, it was that consistency that really helped that people could literally put it in their calendar. And when that time came up, we were there ready to talk. And we always had someone interesting, right? Like it wasn't just me coming in and saying, okay, today you could just get to ask me a bunch of questions. Not at all. Like that's the least interesting thing that you can do on Twitter spaces. And we always try to vary the topics. So from things that could be really practical, like how to really get good sound when you're in the field to something that is more ephemeral, like what does an editor actually do, right? And so we try to get a really good range of topics that will appeal to people who are novices in podcasting and people who are more experienced in podcasting. And, you know, within 10 months, I think it was on Clubhouse, we were 27,000 club members and we were the number three club on Clubhouse. And then Clubhouse just took a turn and then Twitter spaces started to come in and some of our other friends were experimenting with it. And Manuela and I started to have conversations about should we make the transition? And ultimately we made the call that moving to Twitter would be really beneficial precisely because everybody's already on Twitter. And so it would really ease people being able to join us because they're already there throughout the day. And so for a moderator, being consistent, lining up your guests ahead of time. And then I always have notes um, because I've already agreed with the person about what topic we're going to cover, because as you can imagine, people can talk about many things. And so we try to narrow it down to an area that is both, you know, a zone of genius for them, but that is also something that complements all of the other topics that we've talked about. And we try to separate, for example, if we're going to have audio engineers, we try to separate them by a few weeks. If we're going to have editors, we try to separate them by a few weeks so that people who are coming new into the space get to experience sort of like the breadth of talent in, in the podcast industry. And then you just have fun. Right, like I threaten to sing the Jeopardy theme song if somebody gets off topic. Like I will <laughs> do all kinds of things just to keep the, the liveliness and the fun going because that's what people want. They want to come into a space that feels familiar but where they're also feeling like they're learning. And that's like, that's the magic right there. It's familiar, but you're learning. When I've spoken about Twitter spaces as a potential option to brand partners, the first reaction I always get is, but what about brand safety? How do we control what people are going to say? How do we moderate that? Like, it's one thing if someone sends us a bad tweet, we can sort of ignore it and they only have like 10 followers. But if all of a sudden an executive has to respond to something in real time, do you have a reaction to that piece of feedback? And as a moderator, someone who maybe has received a question that you weren't prepared for, or like, how do you prep for that? How do you control for that? Are there systems in place that will allow for, you know, quote unquote, brand safety? So we don't bring our clients onto Twitter spaces. 
So that's number one, it's brand safety. Do not invite your clients to Twitter spaces. So we tend to focus on the creative community. So we tend to focus on promoting people who are doing really cool work, on promoting people who are innovating in the space, not looking at brand. We don't offer Twitter spaces as part of any kind of marketing or branding package yet. It could be something that we evolved to, but we just started on Twitter spaces and we need to learn about how we're utilizing it first. But in terms of, you know, safety in general, I cut people off. And I warn people at the beginning that it is part of my role to keep the space comfortable and safe for everyone. And so I will cut people off. I will say, I'm putting, I'm putting you back in the audience like I used to do in Clubhouse and I would just put you back in the audience, right? And so, and Manuela and I behind the scenes are slacking with each other throughout the entire session. And so, you know, we have a list of people who are interrupters and you just have to keep that list. And so when you see them in the room, you know that if they raise their hand, you're not going to invite them up because every time they come up, they just interrupt. They sort of like go on and on about whatever it is that they want to go on and on that has nothing to do with what we're talking about. And so you learn those lessons and you apply, apply them as gently as you possibly can without embarrassing anyone or, or without putting anyone on the spot, right? And if someone asks an inappropriate question, I will answer the question instead of having my guests feel like they have to answer the question, right? And so that's the other thing that I try to be a little bit of a shield so that if somebody, you know, wants to bring some breaking news that's happening and put the guests on the spot and ask about that question, I'll answer the question in a way that satisfies the person and also keeps the guests away from having to put themselves in a spot where they might not be comfortable and they were not prepared to talk about that right so that's the other thing like it's my job to make sure that the guest has the experience that i invited them to have right i didn't invite you to be on the hot seat and have random people come and throw questions at you i invite you to have a curated conversation about something that you have mastery in and so it is my responsibility to make sure that you have that experience I'll get you out on this question, Manuel. It sounds like you touched on this a little bit a couple of minutes ago, but Twitter allows you to download the audio file afterwards. A little bit of a complicated process, but they at least enable that. Have you experimented at all with repurposing that live piece of audio as an on-demand piece of audio content and maybe publishing it as a good old-fashioned podcast? Has there been any experimentation around that? Yeah, so I think it's a great idea to repurpose Twitter Spaces content because I mean, you're having this conversation with valuable points and things that could be of help to other people. Why not, you know, try to put it out and promote it in other ways, upcycle it, change its format so that it can get to as many people as possible. So we don't repurpose the audio itself right now, not yet, but we do, I do do a recap of the Twitter spaces on our weekly newsletter in, you know, like I said, getting that information, that conversation that we had to as many people as possible, even if you couldn't make it on Wednesday at 4pm, you can subscribe, subscribe to the newsletter and get, you know, all the important points that we discussed on there. So I definitely would, you know, I definitely recommend repurposing the Twitter spaces audio. And this can be, you know, in as many ways as, as you want. I know that there's a few tools out there that grab different quotes from from the live audio space that you can repurpose and use as like quote cards on social media. Uh, you can use the audio for different, you know, different types of podcast episodes, or you can just have audiogram sound bites on Instagram or Twitter. 
but yes, that that is right now we're repurposing as just you know a, a write up on our newsletter. But we we're definitely uh, open to exploring more ways in that we can we can get those conversations out to as many people as possible. So let me add to that, Brian, because one of the things that we just launched is an extension of the Podcasting Seriously learning platform, which is called Podcasting Seriously at Home. And what we did was we recorded all of our monthly seminars last year and then edited edited all of them down to just 30 minutes. And now we're offering them on video on demand. So you can pay one price. It's like $5.99. You can have access to the video for X number of weeks. And so everyone around the world now has the ability to tap into that resource. And I can easily see doing something similar with the Twitter audio. I would prefer to clean it up, edit it, bookend it, you know, like make it nice before we put it out. But I could absolutely see if we, you know, if Manuela and I sort of decide, yeah, this is, this makes sense to invest more time and money in, because obviously it's not generating money for us and we're a company. And so ultimately things that we experiment with have to yield something that we can build from. And so if we do decide that I could see a similar audio on demand model where people could access them for a small fee, like, you know, 99 cents, $1.99 or whatever that might be on iTunes or somewhere like that. So we're not opposed to, but we're still figuring out how best to utilize it for our purpose which is building community in podcasting and supporting creators. So it's a fascinating conversation and I am in gratitude to both of you for spending some time teaching us all about some best practices, lessons learned. This is a really exciting space, particularly fond of Twitter spaces. I think brands should experiment with it personally, but there is, I think all of a sudden you put the executive on the hot seat and it's like, oh, not every executive is going to be good in that moment. So it's not for everyone, but there will continue to be safety and controls, I think, put in place to enable that. Right. Uh, So thank you so much for your time, your wisdom today. Uh, Really quickly, how can people learn more about your company? Is there a preferred website or what's the best way to maybe subscribe to your newsletter? Yeah. um, And join our community, podcastingseriously.com. There you can see all our offerings, including uh, our upcoming Twitter spaces, which we host every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Eastern from 4 to 5. We invite our podcasting friends to talk about a host of topics. You can also sign up to our weekly newsletter, which is curated by me, and it goes out every Friday morning. And you can also apply to our awards fund. Uh, We are supporting independent audio creatives, BIPOC, LGBTQ, identifying independent podcasters and covering awards and submission fees. So you can see all of this at podcastingseriously.com and also visit our company website, lwcstudios.com. Thanks again. Thanks, Brian. Thank you.